0: Once again, my name is Bill Reeser. How you doing? How are you doing? I want to welcome you out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. Come on. Okay. Well, again, I am just so grateful that God put this all together, and, but in, in our time, in just six weeks. Is, that, is God not cool? Is God not great? Is he awesome? And so I want to welcome everyone out to Encounter, Where Hope Can Be Found. That's where you're at tonight. And the mission of encounter is to help broken and hurting people overcome life's adversities so that they can discover a free, devoted life to Jesus Christ. Friends, the journey does continue. Because the doors that God opens up, no man can shut, as Pastor Marty prayed. And you know, speaking of doors and journeys, I don't know what your journey has been like, but the fact is, somewhere along the journey, a lot of us got hurt, didn't we? We have a lot of scars and you've experienced some type of hardship and pain. That's one of the reasons why you're here. The fact of the matter is everything is broken. The entire world is broken. Weather's broken. Government's broken. Your bodies are broken. I mean, I got on a scale this morning and said, one at a time, please. OK, I mean, everything is broken. We're all in need of healing from our brokenness. We all need healing in some, or for most of us, in many areas of our lives. We need physical healing, we need financial healing, relational healing, emotional healing, most of all spiritual healing. We've all experienced hurts in our lives. People have hurt us, we've hurt other people. Sometimes those hurts makes hurt people hurt other people, if the hurts aren't healed. People carry hurts for years, believing the lie, that somehow, time is going to make the pain go away. In fact, unresolved hurts grow inside of us like an emotional cancer, and they keep us stuck. We never grow socially beyond our hurts. We never heal relationally beyond our hurts. Unresolved and unreconciled hurts, they leave scars. And those scars can can lead to unhealthy coping mechanisms, which can lead to bad character defects. They shape our identity, in confusing ways. They even shape our view of God in confusing ways. They leave a trail of regrets compounded by the enormous weight of shame and guilt that keeps us stuck. And when our hurts become unmanageable, they can lead to compulsions, addictions, and unhealthy habits and hang-ups. The two root causes of all of our problems are our unreconciled relationships with God and our unreconciled relationships with other people. You get those two areas of your life reconciled, life can be quite amazing. Now some of you are thinking, well, I'm just fine with me and my relationship with Jesus. Jesus is just all right with me. <laughs> if you remember that song, you're really old. <laughs> and yes, while well, you and Jesus may be just all right. The biggest problem every single person in this room has tonight, including myself, is this issue of us playing God. We all do it. It all keeps us stuck. It all gets us back to ground one. See, all of us have played God and continue to play God in certain areas of our lives. It's man's oldest problem. You go back to Adam and Eve. Everything was perfect. Had a perfect environment. Everything was beautiful. There was just one rule. In paradise, you don't need a lot of rules. There was just one rule. But because they wanted to play God, they broke that one rule. It's our oldest problem, and I want to tell you today with all the grace that I have, you stink at playing God, and so do I. And, you, and now you're wondering, well, how do I play God? Well, there are a lot of ways that we play God. You try and play God when you try and change your past. A lot of us have regrets about our past. If we could do a do-over, a mulligan, one more time, well, oh, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I had another chance to say the right thing or do the right thing. You can't change your past. You try and play God when you control other people. You're all trying to control other people. You want people to like you. You want people to love you. You want people to do what you want them to do. You play games to do so. You give them things. You pout. You cry. You get mad. You get angry. You give them things. You manipulate them, all in an effort to try and control them can You can't be anybody's holy Spirit and you can't be anybody's God. And we play God when we think we can fix another person. Here's the, one of the biggest reasons we play God, when we try and manage our own pain, and we manage our own problems with the, with the help, without the help of a loving God, who loves us and wants to heal us of those things and fix those things for us, who is more than capable of redeeming and fixing every area of your life? that you have no ability to fix or change in your own strength or power. Those are the ways that we play God. You now, Jesus says, with all things, with God, all things are possible, but apart from me, you can do nothing. See, God wants to make your past your past. See, the devil wants to keep you stuck in your past. How does he do that? Well, he introduces you to his three best friends, shame, guilt, and regret. Those are his best friends you let shame, guilt, and regret get a grip on your life, they'll be the gateway drug for everything unhealthy and holy in your life, like hurts, habits, and hang-ups. See, God wants to recycle your pain. He wants to recycle your past, your shame, your guilt, all your guilt, all your regrets. And he wants to make you a trophy of his grace. He's the great recycler of pain. And he never, ever, ever wastes a hurt. And he doesn't want to waste your hurt. He wants to make you a trophy of his grace so that he can show himself off through you. Now, we've been long-term fans of 12-step Christ-centered recovery programs like Celebrate Recovery. We love Celebrate Recovery. I've been doing CR for a long, long time. We loved their materials and used them for, for nearly a decade. But early on, we began to see that a focus on discipleship was needed as these important principles were learned. And in order for one to experience recovery and true healing, you got to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. you got to learn how to apply and live out the principles that we teach. You have to renew your mind to the truth of God's Word. You have to allow God to change the way you think. One of the, ways that, one of the phrases that we have, we have a lot of phrases, is you have to, you have to allow God to change his thinking way of thinking. <laughs> you know, one of the key verses that we teach around here is Romans 12:1 and 2. You know, in view of God's mercy. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, th- here's a great way to study the Bible. Look for statements in the Bible. Look for, look for scriptures in the Bible that start out with a great statement that's, that, that are followed up by instructions for us to do, an action item. And then there's actually a promise if you actually do what it says. It's a great way to study the Bible. Here's an example, Romans 12:1 and 2 starts out with a great statement in view of God's mercy. You should think about God's mercy. You should think about what Jesus Christ did for you. You should think about how much the Father loved you, how he sent his son to die for you, how he forgives you, how his whole plan was to forgive you through his son Jesus Christ if you would put your faith and trust in him. You should think about how his mercy is new every day. You should think about where sin abounds even that much more grace abounds. You should think about that every time if you should ever sin by any chance, that we have a promise in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You should think about those things. And when I think about those things, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God declares me not guilty. I'm grateful that God declares me clean. I'm grateful for those things. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for his grace. And And when you see a statement, That says, in view of God's mercy. And then he gives you an action item. It's good advice to do the action item and apply it to your life. So in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You do those two simple verses, Life is so much better. Here's the next verse, what it says. How many people in this room would like to know what God's will is for their lives? How many people would like to know? You, like to know? you know what the next verse says? Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is for your life. So all you have to do is do Romans 1 and 2, and you'll know what God's will is for your life every day. Offer your body a living sacrifice before God. In other words, wasn't the worship team awesome tonight? Wasn't that great? Mandy, thank you so much, the team. Awesome. But God says, I want you to worship me with your body as well. Because your body is not yours if you surrender it to me. It's a temple now of the Holy Spirit. I want you to honor me with your body. I want you to worship me with your body. And I don't want you to buy into what the world says you need to do to be successful, to recover, to change, to experience joy, peace in your life. But I want you to be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. God says, it's my job to do the transforming. Your job to do the renewing. You do the renewing, God will do the transforming. You do those simple things, you'll be able to know what God's good, perfect, pleasing will is for your life. We're going home, that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) It's really that simple. So you got to do that. Here's the second thing. Next thing. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to direct your life. You have to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you like encounter where hope can be found? You need to have an encounter. You need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to be counseled by the Holy Spirit. It's cheaper than going to a regular counselor. (laughs) You need to have your minds controlled by the Holy Spirit. You need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that lives in you and is available for you because without it, recovery, spiritual growth, healing, and deliverance will never, ever happen. The key to lasting recovery is to be a spirit-guided, spirit-minded, spirit-led person that is all about the Father's business because when you become all about the Father's business, the Holy Spirit inside of you makes you a kingdom-minded, kingdom-guided, kingdom-builder type of person. That's why the Holy Spirit saw fit to have us partner with the sanctuary church in the Father's house where we are about the Father's business building and advancing the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven to every single person that walks through these doors they have to have an encounter with Jesus Christ the only one capable of transforming lives and healing hurts hang-ups and habits They have to know that their lasting hope is in Jesus. And he is the only strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So the scripture for this ministry comes from Hebrews 619, 619, which is my birthday. But that's why I stutter when it's just my birthday. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. They have to trust and rely on the finished work of Christ on the cross for every healing, every area of healing, wholeness, and victory. Listen, if you don't rely on the finished work of Christ for your recovery, you'll try and accomplish something that's already been done. And if you try and accomplish something that's already been finished, you will wear yourself out. Trying to accomplish something that's already been done. And God will let you do that. It's one of the ways that we play God. Trying to accomplish something that's already been finished on the cross. It's one of the things that we teach around here at Encounter. Trusting in the finished work of Christ. So that you don't have to do it yourself. There are certain things that he's done for us. That he wants us to live out. By faith. We also recognize that the church itself was full of people who were unaware that they needed to recover from the hurts that they experienced in life. They wore masks, just like many of us. And they thought recovery was only for people who struggle with drugs and alcohol. And we noticed that most people who come to church hide, but people come to encounter to heal. The ones who came for someone else quickly realized that this ministry was for them too. And they were glad that they could finally say, I'm one of those people. We have a ton of sayings, like I said, around here, and one of them is, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. We wanted to offer them hurts, hope for their own hurts. We wanted to welcome them to a safe place where everyone was welcome. We wanted them to know that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do everything he says we can do as well. We can surrender fully to God and have an encounter with Him that changes everything. Encounter is a grace-filled community of people experiencing freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit. Encounter is a spiritual growth discipleship program designed to help people live a free, devoted life to Jesus Christ. Encounter is for anyone who wants to discover true freedom and experience genuine joy and purpose in life. It truly is a program that anyone and everyone can benefit from. Here are some core values that this ministry is built on. First one is huge. God's word is our truth. You know, there's a lot of things that are going to pass away. A lot of things change, but God's word never changes. It never changes. You see, change requires learning the truth. You know the famous quote Jesus said, you always hear it all the time. You will know the truth, and what? It really doesn't. First, it makes you miserable. First, it gets you angry. It may even get you confused if you're not submitted to it. And I see people misquote, misquoting this scripture all the time. Well, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All oh, the truth will set you free. Listen, I know of no Gideon Bible that ever stopped a couple from having inappropriate sex in the hotel room. Because the truth didn't set them free. Look what here's what Scripture really says, and here's what Jesus was really saying. And I want to build a case to where discipleship and recovery go hand in hand. Because without it, recovery never happens. And discipleship is exactly what Jesus was talking about. The statement that Jesus made right before he said that famous quote, "You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free," tells it all. He says in John 8:31, "If you hold." to my teaching you really you are really my disciples if you hold in other words if you make this the authority over your life if you submit to this if you find great joy in applying this to your life and agreeing with this and letting this be the guide and the authority that you submit your entire life to he says if you hold to my it's not perfection None of us are perfect, but it's just saying, you know what? This is true, and God's got a whole, you know, God's got a bunch of promises in here, and he's got commands that I want to follow because that's my way of showing that Jesus, that I I love him. Because we follow God out of gratitude, not out of obligation. That's the law. So when we trust in Jesus, our first natural response is, how can I love you back? And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So, out of gratitude, we make this the authority of our lives. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So, listen, if you don't get anything else I say tonight, listen to this. The secret to personal change is not in a pill, it's not a program, it's not a process, it's not even in the steps because some people make an idol out of the steps. It's not therapy, it's not a book, it's not a seminar. It's not positive thinking, psychology, willpower, The View, Dr. Phil. <laughs> the proof of personal change is found in the truth. You've got to know and face the truth. You've got to know and face the truth about yourself before you can change. You've got to know and face the truth about your relationships before you can change. You've got to know and face the truth about your past before you can change. You've got to know and face the truth about your hurts, your habits and your hangups before you can change. You gotta know the truth about your character defects, your coping mechanisms that might have worked when you were young, how you developed them, where they came from, how you deal with them. You gotta know the truth about the thoughts you have. You gotta know about the the truth about the temptations that you struggle with. You gotta know the truth about how to take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. You gotta know the truth about making your temptations opportunities for thinking and doing something good instead of giving into them and finding yourself in the neighborhood of shame and guilt every time. You've got to know and face the truth about God's purpose for your life. You've got to know and face the truth about who God is, what his character is, what his love for you is, his grace, his justice, his mercy, his nature. You've got to know the truth about that God loves you, despite you, God's not mad at you, he's mad about you. And if you're not following that God, you need to fire that God, And hire the God that we're talking about here tonight. Because he loves you. Nothing changes until you start at the bedrock of truth. If you don't know the truth about these things, you're going to build your life on a phony, fake, false foundation that's going to crumble when the rough winds of life hit. Why is it so important to learn the truth for everything I want to change in my life? I'll tell you why. Because behind every self-defeating behavior... That you'll ever give into in your life, it's because you believe the lie. Behind every stronghold in my life that takes root, it's because I believed a lie. And there's a truth to combat that lie, there's a truth to take that lie captive, there's a truth that could demolish that lie, that could demolish that stronghold. And you will never learn the truth that sets you free until you know Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I'm the truth. Not that I have it, not that I point the way, not that I teach it. He said, I'm it. That's it. So you can trust his word. And you can trust the Bible. And you can trust in the Bible. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful. What is it useful for? Well, it tells us four things. Number one, to teach us what is true. That's important. You've got to build it on truth. Number two, and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. Number three, it straightens us out. Number four, it teaches us to do what is right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. The Bible in that passage says it was given us for four things. It's sort of like a path. It shows us the path to walk on. It shows us when we get off the path. It shows us how to get back on the path. And then it shows us how to stay on the path. The theological words for this are doctrine, proof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It says God's word does four things to make it real simple for you tonight. It shows you the path to live on. You stay on that path, you're going to have a pretty good life. But who could stay on that path? We've all fallen off that path, haven't we? Shows us when we get off the path, you messed up. That's called reproof. Shows us how to get back on that path. That's correction. And then it shows us how to stay on that path, and that's what we're all about. That's called instruction or training in righteousness. So change requires learning the truth. Here's an example of how that happens. I'm not sure if you know this, but when Jesus preached the longest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where the Beatitudes came, in other words, here's an attitude that you're supposed to be, and when you be this attitude, your life is going to change. It's a great way of looking at the Beatitudes, and I'm not sure if you know this, but the Beatitudes in that order is where the original 12 steps came from. How great is God that he would do that? And every single one of those Beatitudes is a countercultural statement to what society says you need to do to be made well. And what I love about the Beatitudes and where the foundation of a lot of our teachings are is that no matter what your issue is, because some of you are thinking, I'm not sure if this is for me. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. It doesn't matter what your, what your past is. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. The pathway to recovery and wholeness is always the same. And they're found in the pathway of God's truth through teachings like the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and everything that we teach here on Friday nights. This is a faith-based ministry. This is all about increasing your faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And Romans 12, 3 says, to each of us, he's given us a measure of faith. Faith is everything. And faith comes by hearing what? Hearing the word of Christ, hearing the word of God, right? So it's my job. That's why I use a lot of scripture, because I figure God's got a lot better things to say than me. (laughs) And if I share a lot of scripture with you in the teachings, it's going to build your faith up. And I want you to be people of faith. Because at the end of your life, a lot of us think we're going to get judged on the things we did or didn't do, but in fact, we're going to get judged on what we believed or didn't believe because what we believed or didn't believe determined what we did or didn't do. Right? Okay. Number two. I'll slow down. i, I got to slow down a little bit. Hold on. Number two. We don't dwell on past hurts as much as we look toward the future and rely on what God can do in and through us. You know, if you're driving down the five, looking in your rearview mirror every day, you're probably going to crash. It's not a healthy thing. And I just, want to, I just want us to all take heart what the Apostle Paul said. This one thing that I do, I don't look back. But I strain, I press on, strain towards the prize for which Christ has called me in heaven with. You see, you can spend your whole life being a victim, but God wants to make you a victor. And in order to be a victor, and be victorious, you got to start looking forward to what God has for you. And God has great plans for you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. He already knows the plans he has for you. Number three, we stress taking personal responsibility to cover in life, to recover in life. We do not run this ministry based on codependent insecurities. Here's what I mean by that. We're not afraid to tell you what you need to hear as opposed to what you want to hear. We're going to challenge you to live this stuff out. We're going to challenge you to build an accountability team. We're going to challenge you to stop blaming others because when you blame others, it's spelled be lame. And we don't want you blaming others all your life. At some, t- at some point in your life, you've got to take personal responsibility for your decisions. And I know that's hard because a lot of us have been given a bad deal. A lot of us have been abused, abandoned. You know, people have done stuff to us that that God wants us to know tonight, not guilty. Not guilty. But you're still responsible for your decisions on how you respond to the things that have happened to you. And what we're learning and what we're going to learn here is how to respond to the things that have happened to us in much more healthier ways. Does that make sense? Okay. Four, we know that spiritual commitment to Jesus Christ is essential to lasting recovery and growth. But here's the deal. You don't have to be a Christian to come to this program. You don't have to be a member of the sanctuary to come here. All you have to do is, if you want to get well, if you want your life to get better, if you want to heal from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You see, it doesn't matter what you believe, what you don't believe, what you've done, or what's been done to you. If you're looking for a place, a safe community, a place where you can heal, a place where you can grow, a place where you can find your purpose in life, a place where you can find unspeakable joy and healing and live the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for, this is the place to do it. The only prerequisite is do you want to get well? Do you want your life to get better? I was running this program in Rockford, Illinois. I'll never forget, I got a phone call one day from a lady, and she was the sweetest lady, and she said, listen, I'm at the end of my rope, I'm depressed, I'm suicidal, and I have a bad eating disorder, and I heard about your program, and can you help me? And I said, ma'am, do you want to get well? And she paused for a second, she goes, well, of course I want to get well. She said, well, uh... She goes, your program meets on Friday night? I said, you just need to show up on Friday. She goes, well, I can't. I said, why not? She says, I'm Jewish, and uh, I won't step foot in a Christian church. And, uh, and, I, and I, I listened to that, and I, and I said to her, I never asked you what you believed in. I only asked if you wanted to get well. And she said back to me, she said, are you telling me it's okay for me, a Jewish person, to come to your Christian church? I said, only if you want to get well. <laughs> so you just come on Friday. And we had, a, we, we had a, a women's group for women struggling with food issues. And, uh, and uh, she came the first night. She got connected with the women. You see, it's connections with people that do it. And, uh, and that's why I'm so grateful that all of you showed up tonight. Uh, because you are, you are some of the most safest, loving people. And she showed up. She got connected with some of the women. She just started coming every week. And we do a thing, we do a, like a commitment night where we'll take Marty's cross from his yard. And uh, thank you, Marty. And, uh, and this was a night we had close to 200 people and almost, uh, maybe 199 of them came to the cross and gave their lives to Christ that night and became born again believers except her. Because I knew that she would struggle. And she came up to me that night and she said, and she said, I was just terrified of the cross. And I knew that we were supposed to have a conversation. And I met with her, and I talked to her about the love of Jesus. I talked to her about how Jesus loved her. I talked about how he died for her. And she goes, well, how can I, how, how, you know, how can I give my life to him? I, I, don't, I don't understand this. And I took her to the book of Romans, and I'll never forget taking her to the book of Romans. And I was, I was actually having her read it, which was so neat. And I had her read, what, you know, where she read in Romans You know, nine ten. if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And then she goes, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. She goes, because I'm Jewish. I said, you need to keep reading. (laughs) And then, so she kept on reading. And then when she said this, she goes, as Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ that night. And we baptized her in the Pacific Ocean. So I want to tell you that if you're not there yet, and you're wondering what, what in the world am I doing at a church on a Friday night, You're in a safe place. Welcome. Welcome to the Father's house. Welcome to the Father's house where you have a Father who loves you more than you'll ever know. Welcome. So we believe, listen, the best the world can offer is reformation. You can learn good coping skills. You can learn sobriety. But you'll never be transformed until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's the benefit package, okay? You get a home in heaven for eternity. You get all your sins forgiven. You get a new mind. You get a new heart with new and right desires. You get a new nature. You get a new lease on life. And the God of the universe who loves you through his Holy Spirit will live inside of you. He'll empower you. He'll gift you. And this is important. Because the next point is we also believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is our source of strength and healing. Let me make a point here. How many people here would say that Jesus is the best teacher ever? Okay, just checking. Not necessarily. Look at the results of his ministry. Three and a half years, three years with his disciples. They never really got it with Jesus, did they? He, his teachings are the best, but I asked if he was the best teacher. You see, if I'm following someone and like Jesus, and Jesus does what he says he's going to do, comes back from the dead and says, I told you, and then tells him to do some things, I think I'm going to do it. But even then the disciples didn't get it. Because after, even after Jesus rose from the dead, And told the disciples to go and make disciples. They went back fishing. (laughs) And Jesus is cooking breakfast for them. He's getting ready to reinstate Peter. And he has this epic conversation. Do you love me? Do you love me? And then finally, Jesus, I think, just had enough. And he said, you know what? Just go into a room and pray for 10 days. Because they never really got it until the Holy Spirit came upon them. You see, we can't get it until the Holy Spirit comes upon us and lives in us. And here's the reason why. Jesus can only reach their intellect, but the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts. It changes who we are. Jesus says, it's going to be better for you that I go. Unless I go... The spirit of truth won't come. He's going to guide you into truth. He's going to counsel you. He's going to make this book so easy to understand. I never understood this book until the Holy Spirit came upon me. Now it's like a Dr. Seuss book. It's like Jesus said green eggs and ham to me. I love it. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is, making, is, is interpreting the book for me. Now, if you're submitted to the Holy Spirit and you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, he'll make this book easy to apply to your life. It's a joy. It's a joy. So we believe strongly in that. We also know that we need to combine recovery and spiritual growth as the pathway for lasting change and recovery. I got to move because we're getting behind. We also know that community with others is key. We get better together. We do get better together. And we need to build healthy relationships that will help and not hinder our growth and recovery. You know what's the worst thing that people do? Want me to tell? They isolate themselves. You think no one else understands. You think no one else cares. And we isolate yourselves. But we get better together. And you've got to be, you've got to have the courage to get authentic, to get real. You know why? Because you're as sick as your secret's. And you know the thing that you want to conceal the most? That's the very thing that God wants you to reveal the most because when there's revealing, there's healing. You see, if you want forgiveness, God will give you forgiveness instantly. But if you want healing in your life, God says you've got to include other people. James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing and forgiveness are two different things. You can have both, but if you want healing, you've got to include other people you got to build a support team. you got to go to groups. And you got to share in groups. And we work really hard at keeping our groups really safe and fun at the same time. Number eight, we recognize that all of us need to recover in life. We all have different kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups of varying degrees. Number nine, we focus on allowing God, this is a big one, to heal the root issues of our life instead of wasting time dealing with the symptoms of our root issues. So many people are trying to deal with the symptoms, the aftermath of a symptom of a deep-rooted issue. And when you work this program and you get into a step study, which meets on a different night of the week, may take you a year to do a step study, the one testimony I hear over and over and over again is I've done Bible studies. I've done, you know, I've been to BSF. I've... You know, I've been to everything, but I've never, ever been in a study where God got to the root of my issue and healed me at the root of my issue. Any satisfied customers here know what I'm talking about? You guys know that, right? Okay. You see, see, a lot of us think that our root issues are going to be who we are for so long But the Bible says that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We're going to teach you how to take your thoughts captive like you've never taken thoughts captive in your life. Number 10, we believe that God is able to make things new. And we embrace who we are in Christ christ and reject the lie that we are our defects you know the world will tell you that you are what you do the world will tell you that you are your sin you go to any secular meeting and they'll tell you that the first step of of getting out of denial is to say you are what you do hi my name is joe and i'm an alcoholic hi my name is mary i'm a shopaholic busted uh hi, my name is Mike, I'm a rageaholic, whatever it is. You know why they tell you that? Because they don't have an answer. We have an answer. And here's one of the benefits of asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and leader of your life when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from Christ. It's a great benefit package. The old is gone. In other words, you crucified your old nature. You get a new nature, and not only do you get a new nature, you get a new identity. You are a child of the king. It may be something that you do. You may drink. You may do drugs. You may have anxiety. You may have fears. You may have insecurities. You may have codependent Natures, you may be an enabler. You may not know the difference between love and enabling. You may have a ton of character defects, but it's not who you are because you are not your sin. You are a child of the king, the one true God. And you have to know who you are in Christ. One of the big reasons why people struggle is they don't know what it means to be a child of the king, and they don't know what it means and they don't know what their identity is. Do not spend your entire life trying to become somebody you already are. You know what? You know, the three basic psychological needs of every person is is acceptance, security, and significance. And when you look to yourself, the world, and your accomplishments, and other people, and money for all those things, you'll have an identity crisis, and you won't know who you are in Christ. But in Christ you are accepted, you are secure, you are significant, you are a king's kid, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are part of a royal bloodline, you are a king's kid, you are somebody in Christ, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. In Christ, you are those things. You have to know who you are in Christ. We're going to teach you that this ministry. It's awesome. It'll change everything. Now, So next time you introduce yourself to someone, do not introduce yourself by saying what you do or what you struggle with. You introduce yourself by saying, I'm a king's kid and my father's bunkers about me. There you go. There you go. It's in the Bible. 11, we strongly believe in the power of prayer as the engine for every good thing God wants to do in our lives, in the church, and in this ministry. A lot of prayer, a lot of power. Little prayer, little power. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. If your faith in Christ doesn't lead you to pray, get rid of it. Have nothing to do with it and ask God to help you to begin over, Charles Spurgeon. Prayer is everything. Prayer is everything. I'm telling you, he's a prayer answering God. Seven years ago, on this day, on this day, seven years ago, with seven years, is the year of completion. My wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Breast cancer. She had to have a lumpectomy. My wife worked for the Cancer Society for years. She was a big fundraiser for him and did events for him. And my wife is just a hero to me when it comes to faith and prayer. She really is. And I went, for some reason, I went to the doctor's office because they found something on a mammogram, and I usually never do, but for some reason, this time I did. And I'll never forget when the doctor told her, you have cancer. You have cancer. And my wife just didn't say anything, she asked the right questions, but she didn't say anything to me, and... We got in the car. I'll never forget we got in, got in my truck. I'll never forget the look on my wife's face. And she looked at me with a confidence and a smile. And without even, without, without even saying a word, her first words to me was, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. For he has done great things for me. Amen. And God heard her praise before he heard her prayer. And he healed her of breast cancer. And she's seven years cancer free as of today. Last one. If we don't give away what we learn and experience, we might lose it. Don't be stingy with your money and don't be stingy with your healing. You have to give them both away. We're going we're to encourage you to serve. We're going to encourage you to get plugged in. We're going to encourage you to volunteer. We're going to encourage you to lead. We're going to encourage you to become a disciple. We're going to encourage you to go out. So some of the things that we teach our leaders here is that you will never lock eyes with someone else that Christ hasn't died for. People matter to God. People matter to us. We want the most broken. We want the most hurting. We want the most lost people to walk through these doors. Here's a couple of reminders for you. Never expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. You'll frustrate yourself. And you won't represent Christ well. You need to just remind yourself how ugly your sins look when other people commit them. Just do that. Every now and then it will help you. And remind yourself that the only difference between you and anyone else is God's grace. And if you would just pray this prayer, God help me see people through the eyes of Jesus and love them with your heart. God will just melt your heart for others. Listen, the Great Commission was not a good idea. It was a command. We're all supposed to be part of the Great Commission. Jesus said this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Here's the promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Did you catch that? Don't just witness to them. Don't just tell them about Jesus. Ask them to go public with their faith. Ask them to get baptized. Ask them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ask them to start running after God, making the Bible the authority for their word. Ask them to become a disciple. Walk with them. Help them become a disciple. And guess what? Jesus, just all right with me, we'll hang out with you to the very end of age. Talk to any pastor who has true experience with walking people who are hurting, walking people in recovery, and ask them how someone can recover from life's hurts, habits, and hangups, and you'll typically get two answers. Answer number one, well, they just need a good christ center recovery program. Answer number two, they need a good spiritual growth discipleship program. And friends, I need to tell you, there are really good recovery programs. And there are really good discipleship programs. But I'm not sure that any other ministry or program combines recovery and discipleship like Encounter does. You see, Encounter instills hope that can break the chains of addictions and strongholds. See, applying what's learned in Encounter can produce lasting change, eternal change, that can restore lives, We have families here that have been restored. We have children that have been restored to their families, husbands and wives. These positive changes and lasting results can only happen through an encounter with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, who's an encounter for? Who's an encounter? People who want to get well, people who want to grow. People want to live the abundant life. Listen, if you're not living the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for, you're living underneath your privilege as a child of the one true king. People want to experience change and healing. People are serious about their recovery and spiritual growth. People who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. People who have been part of this program for the past three years and want to take their recovery and life to the next level like so many satisfied customers that are here with us tonight. Listen, I, I, I want to share with you yeah, you know, I, I can go and just, I can go through the crowd right now and tell you one miracle after another miracle after another miracle. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I, I want to introduce to you my, my, my good friend, my really good friend, Robert Martinez, celebrating one year sobriety tonight. Come up here, Robert. Come here. I'm so proud of you, man. Thanks, I love you, man. Love you Thank you. Come up here, girl. Get up here. Run up here with that leg, too. Run, 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 run. Run. <laughs> come on. These guys have had their lives turned around. Now, you only have 30 seconds. 60 seconds. I just want you to share what this program has done for your life, what Jesus Christ has done. Not the program, what God's done in your lives. Because we love you, and we celebrate your one-year sobriety. Thank you. You've come so, so long. It's just a huge deal. And we celebrate that with you tonight. This is your forever family. <laughs> Ah, gosh. Well, I could tell you, uh, God has definitely softened my heart. Uh, I was never a crier. (laughs) And God's grace has truly set me free from my addictions. Um, Gosh, I just... I'm so thankful that God never gave up on me. And uh, when I truly surrendered, he was waiting there with open arms. So, uh, yes, I'm so thankful that God was waiting there patiently for me. So. You get to talk to her. You get to say something. <laughs>
1: Um, First of all, I just, I want to tell my husband that I'm so proud of you and I I love you so much. And I know God put us together for a reason, even though all the ups and roller coasters we've gone through, all for the glory of God. And I'm so thankful for the ministry that has brought us together to learn God's word together and to grow together. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you and I love you.
0: I love you. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you guys, so much. We've got to help her off. That's OK. So as we wrap this thing up, encounters for people who want to have an encounter with God. People want to have an encounter with some me-too people. These are some me-Too people. People want to have an encounter with freedom. People want to have an encounter with the cross, with His presence. People want to have an encounter with grace. People want to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. People want to have an encounter with truth. People will want to have an encounter in the Father's house. Friends, I'm telling you, come back. Be a part of this program. If for any reason you want to leave it, we'll be glad to refund you your misery back. <laughs> encounter is a place where you'll find out what it means to be an original masterpiece. An original masterpiece. So you can do the good things He planned for you to do years ago.
2: Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, His Masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. Jesus name I pray.
1: Amen.
0: Hi. Whoa. Who
1: are you? I'm God. You said the prayer so here I am. You're not God. No I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay okay. If you're God then uh, make it snow in here. You know what I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky.
2: Yeah you're not God.
1: Why do you say that?
2: God wouldn't say yucky.
1: I do. It's a Greek word.
2: Oh. Okay, okay, Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say?
1: Lamentations is only five chapters, it's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh,
2: okay, okay, if you're God, who's gonna win the World Series this year?
1: I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away.
2: You answered my question with a question.
1: I did? (laughs) Yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again! (laughs) Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Okay, hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah.
2: I thought you were a carpenter.
1: That's my son.
2: Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave?
1: It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. (coughs) (coughs) Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. (coughs) (coughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me, I don't take time to make junk.
2: Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know i messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you wanna use me? And I feel so useless. is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
0: We gotta, we're going to wrap this thing up, but before we do, uh, I want to know if there's anyone here tonight that wants to become God's original masterpiece. Maybe you lost sight of that. Maybe even as Marty was talking about the picture of the prodigal son back there. And just even when he was speaking, you were saying, I'm a prodigal. I just need to come home to daddy. Daddy. It's no mistake that you're in the Father's house on a Friday night. I don't want to give anyone the opportunity, even before we get going with the ministry. I'm going to give you directions where we're going to go in a few minutes. But I just want everyone to just bow their heads and just for a second. I just, I just want to speak to a couple of groups of people right now. And uh, if you've never, ever, ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ... I'm talking to you right now. If you've never been born again, where you acknowledge that, that the Father sent His Son to die on the cross for you. And the Bible says, while we were still sinners, in other words, while we didn't want anything to do with God, He demonstrates His love for this. He died for us. And not only did He die for you, He died for your sins, and He actually became your sin so that you could be forgiven of that sin, and not only forgiven of that sin, you know that thing that bothers you, that guilt, shame, regret thing that we talked about? He died for that too. If you want to receive that into your life, get a new lease, and you want to have an encounter with God and have His Holy Spirit come live inside of you, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you tonight, just let us know that. Just raise your hand. and. I'm going to pray for you, and, and, and maybe some of you, you're not even sure where you stand with God today. Maybe you say, you know, I just, want to get, I just want to be like the skit guy there. I just want God to chisel away at me, and I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. I just want to say a prayer, telling God that I'm, that I'm all in. I want to renew my, my commitment to Him, and I just want to give my life to Jesus. So just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I have sinned against you, myself, and everyone else. And I trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And I turn from my sins, and I turn to you. And I trust you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and the free gift of eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for welcoming me home. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I'll have the power and the grace to live a life for you, free of my hurts, habits, and hangups. In Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations if you said that prayer. So let me tell you where we're going. We want you to get plugged in. Each and every one of you should have got a connection card, some type of connection card. Even if you've been part of this program, I need you to fill out that connection card and turn it in. If anyone didn't get a connection card, please raise your hand. We'll get one to you. We got some volunteers back there. You're going to get an email this week. Please answer that email. And in that email... You're going to have a couple of opportunities. Let us know what type of group that you would go to. We're just not going to launch groups. We'll probably have chemical dependency groups, codependency groups. We'll probably have, you know, a women's group that was very successful. Where well, We combined women's anger and food issues. We called it hangry. The hangry group. <laughs> Worked out very well. Uh, we also want you to get plugged into service. If there's an area where you'd like to volunteer in, we need all of you to serve. You need all of you to yield yourselves to God, to bring this good news to others, both by your example and by your words. If you, don't, if you don't serve and give out this stuff, you'll lose it. And we're going to come back here next Friday. We're going to come back here next Friday. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to do a worship set. We're going to do a teaching. But then wherever you signed up, you're gonna have some leaders. They're gonna do. They're, we're gonna do a little training time. We're gonna get you acclimated to the building. We're gonna show you where stuff is, where groups are. We're gonna show you where facilities team will meet. The cooking team. There's an admin team. It's cafe team. Production team. So many teams that you can get plugged in. You're gonna get an email or a lot of opportunities. But we want you to come back. The hardest thing you'll ever have to do, especially if you're here for the first time, is to come back. Because it does get better every week. This is the greatest place to be on a Friday night. We're going to come back next week, and then we're going to take a break for the holiday. For the holidays. It's a busy time for everyone. So it's... It's tonight, it's next week, and then January 6th is going to be our big, big, big launch. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I I got you. I let the cat right out of the bag. We're going to have a great night. Uh, Hosanna Poetry is coming that night. If you don't know who Hosanna Poetry is, she's a national uh, spoken word artist from LA who's performed at the Celebrate Recovery Summits. And uh, but in order for us to make this happen, we need your help. You see, I wish I could express in words my gratitude for this relationship and this partnership that we have here with the sanctuary. I am so grateful. I have never, ever been to a place and run this ministry that has the same belief and value systems that I have and that we have as a ministry. I don't know what God's going to do with that. That's why you see me here on the weekends. This is, this is, where, this is our home. If you're looking for a church home, a place where you can grow, be challenged, like all the things I spoke about tonight, we were, we were born together. We, me and Marty were split at birth. We're twins. <laughs> but I am learning from him. And I... I want to be a good steward of this building, of the anointing of this building, and everything that we do. They just didn't give us a building to have this in. They gave us a place where together we could be one. And we could see God do amazing things. You are part of a biblical historical night tonight, the first night at Encounter and we are we're, i'm we're not i'm not working for the sanctuary but they have graciously given us their campus but for the first time in 10 years i'm not working for a church we're not we we're, we're not looking for a church to support us we're just relying on god and you for this to be a self-supporting ministry and families have gotten together and said, you can count on us. People have gotten together and, give, and they've already pledged their time, their talent, their treasures. And I'm going to ask you to give, and I'm going to ask you to give tonight. Because we want to we do amazing things for God. And so I'm going to ask you to, to give cheerfully you can write a check to encounter and, for the, and all your money goes straight to the ministry. And I just want to thank you in advance for supporting this life-changing ministry that is a life-saving, life-or-death ministry for a lot of people. It really is. And so I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, I, I sort of had to have an arm wrestling uh, event with Mandy because it is Christmas. It is Christmas time. And I don't know if we can, get, I, I didn't think it'd be appropriate for us to go through a service without hearing a Christmas song. And my good friend Mandy wrote a Christmas song, Christmas to Me. Woo! And if you haven't downloaded it yet, I, I watched it again yesterday, and I cried like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just a crier. I cried like a, I was weeping uncontrollably in my house. Because it was so beautiful. And the song that she wrote, and she's going to play for us tonight, is Christmas to Me. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray for our offering. And while she's playing that, I'm going to ask the volunteers to, to take up our offering. Again, you can make your checks to encounter. If you weren't prepared to give, that's okay. Uh, we'll be back next week. And, and, uh, but we're trusting God to supply all of our needs according to His glorious riches. I know that God will bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for not just the name encounter, but we had an encounter with you tonight. We thank you for the sanctuary. We thank you for the entire staff that has rolled out a red carpet for us to to come here and be a part of something that you started so many years ago. Thank you for a staff that prayed for this ministry to come to Santa Clarita more than four years ago, five years ago. They were the first church that prayed for us to come to town. And somehow we're here. Only you can do that, Lord. So Father, I pray that you bless every single person that's here tonight. Just bless them whether they're able to give or not. Let them know how much they are loved. And Lord, as Mandy starts singing, would you remind us and whisper in our ears what Christmas is to us? Thank you for taking this offering and multiplying it a hundredfold and blessing everyone a hundredfold so that we can do great things in your name. And it's in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.